following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. Our thoughts this morning are taken from Job 1 and 2. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Job, Job 1 and 2? And would you stand together for the reading of God's Word this morning? Book of Job. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Came about when the day of feasting was had completed, their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around in it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now it happened on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. That a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans attacked and took them. So they slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from, from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. 
Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came to them, among them, to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blessed and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And not accept adversity. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Let us pray together. Our Father, we want to thank you for your word. And we stand as a, as a bruised people today. We stand as those who are in need of instruction and help in time of our afflictions and our sufferings. And we would ask that you would help us today. We would find comfort in your word. Find our comfort in you. May you visit us today. And Lord, there are some here this morning that are standing and watching that are going through deep, deep troubles and difficulties. We'd ask you to comfort in as only you can comfort. We pray for our beloved brothers and sisters in Ukraine Lord, you might extend your grace and sovereign power in such a way to bring cessation to those hostilities, preserve life, but especially comfort the church there. Use it in a mighty way to preach Christ. Now, Lord, we ask your blessing upon Pastor Chris today. Restore his health. And ask now that you would take your word and encourage our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, as a pastor of a church, we're always concerned about people living for God. And there are two, uh, two main issues that sometimes affect, affect the people of God. They cause them to lose their faith and confidence in God. Obviously, the most common is worldliness. When we, uh, when we walk in the world and let the world contaminate us, that always has a tense to deaden our faith and keep us from walking with God. The other, the other is the topic of the morning, and that is why, why do bad things happen to good people? We sometimes experience it ourselves, or we have friends and loved ones that experience great suffering, great affliction. And we ask ourselves, we should understand why bad people suffer, why those that hate God and live without God, we what we know why they suffer, but why, why would this man, why would this woman, 
Why would this gracious man and this gracious woman, why would God take my child? Why would God take my father? Why would God take my, my brother? Why do bad things happen to good people? And that is a question that we have, and that you will have. Some of you younger in the faith will one day encounter a time in your life when you will have afflictions visit your life, visit your home, visit your family, and you too will ask this question, why, why are bad things happening to me when I'm desiring to please God? Why are things happening to my family or my friend or this person when they are trying to live for God? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, as you scour the text, the Word of God, there are really four outstanding reasons why bad things happen to good people. And we're looking at Job because Job is the example. Job is the example of a good man that suffered unspeakable, unspeakable sorrow and unspeakable pain. He cannot read these two chapters and stay and stand there stunned literally stunned by the affliction that this man experienced. And so when we ask the question, Job is going to give us the answer. And these two chapters, Job answers, answers the question, why do bad things happen to good people? There's no question that Job was a good man. There's no question. The text begins by reminding us that this is by all means a, an extremely good man. That he was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Three times, three times God tells us that this man was a good man. You know, when God says you're good, what? Talk to me now. You're good. When God says you're good, what? You're good. When you say you're good, you're a liar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when God, when God says you're good, you're good. And God says this man was good. He says it in the inspired text, and then twice he addresses the devil and says, Have you considered my servant Job? He's a good man. He's a good man, and, and he was not only a good man, he was also a very blessed man. This man was blessed, materially blessed. We had all the, all the comforts of life a man could ever experience. And it is an axiom of, it is an axiom, an axiom of Scripture that if you walk with God, he will bless you. He will bless you. Now, there are exceptions, but that is the axiom. He's also a blessed family man. He, loved, he had a large family. He loved them. They spent time together. He was a caring man. He loved his children. He interceded for them. He's an example of a godly man that always was praying, preserving the faith and integrity of his children, even as they matured, as they grew up, never lost. And he was a protected man. Satan said to God, well, the reason why the man is who he is is that you have protected him. You put a hedge about him. Indeed, he is a good man. And no question about that. And so he has every right to explain to us. He's there to explain to us why it is that bad things happen to good people. And notice all the bad things that happened to him. We purposely read the whole story that you might get me be impressed with the bad things that Job experienced. Note with me the extent of his loss. Well, you need to stand back and look at all the things that he lost. All the, we saw all the things that he had, but all the things that he lost. He lost his family. To lose all your children in one swoop, 
I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine as a father a greater pain and to lose all your children in one swoop. And in one swoop, he was left childless. He and Mrs. Job, we had no children. He lost his possessions, all that he had, all that he had. Some of you are, are sensing the pain of that. Your stocks have taken a tumble, haven't they, these last month, and you are then sitting on the edge. We are facing inflation. We are facing the, the, the gas going up and all these things that happen. And so we are there, but to imagine losing everything, everything at your disposal. He lost everything. And then he lost his health. This is a robust man, blessed of God. And there he sits, covered in boils from head to toe, scraping himself to alleviate the itching and the, and the pus and the oozing liquids from, from these boils. And he sits in ashes not being able to find any comfort at all. He lost his relationships. His own family began to crumble. His wife and he no longer had the same confidence in God. She turns on him and she says, Honey, why, why are you still holding on to God? Look at the way God is treating you. You honored him. You lived for him. You were upright. I lived with you. You're a man of God. You don't deserve this. And his friends they came to visit him. All for three days they sat in comfort and, meet, and mourning and weeping with him. And then they turned on him. And the rest of the book of Job is his three friends that became, as he turned, miserable comforters. Blaming him. It's your fault, Job. You have some hidden sin. And this is why you're experiencing the stuff you're experiencing. And then to realize that he lost his status. The 29th chapter of the book of Job. Job describes the fact that he was somebody. People recognized him. He would walk in the city and men recognized who he was. Young men would hush talking as he walked by. They admired him. He says and now they mock him. Now he's a, now he's a byword. He's nobody, nobody. And then you come to the fourth chapter, the third chapter of Job, and you realize that Job even lost some of his joy. He never lost his faith in God. But the joy, the joy of God was sucked out of him because pain has a tendency to do that, to suck the joy out of you. And so his, his loss was profound. The bad things that happened to him were absolutely profound. And then as you read the text, then you read the text, you find the first answer to the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And then you read and you realize this is the answer. Here's, here's the first answer. That good people, bad things happen to good people because good people live in a bad world. We live in a foreign, we live in a fallen world, people. We live in a fallen world. And we sometimes forget that. We forget that, that this world is really a cursed world. We don't live in Genesis 2. We live in Genesis 3. We don't live in Genesis 2. We live in Genesis 3. Now you say it. 
And Genesis 3 describes a fallen world, a fallen world. All around us is a fallen world full of all manner of troubles and afflictions. And we just simply need to recognize the book begins carefully by reminding us that there is an evil force. Satan is alive and well. He is called the God of this world, the God of this world. We sometimes think, we sing that, you know, that, that this is my father's world. This is my father's world. But in saying that, we need to put a, a little uh, qualifier. Yes, but this world really is dominated, dominated by the devil himself. And all around us we see emphasis. That's why the apostle reminded us in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We are in mortal combat with this sinister fiend called the devil. He's all around us. And we forget that sometimes. But he is instrumental in much of the wickedness and all of the wickedness that happens in this world. We also recognize that there are evil people. As we describe what happened to Job, the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans came and wiped them out. And we see that there are wicked people everywhere. There are wicked people everywhere. And all around us. I mean, look at, look at Ukraine. A needless, needless conflict. All because there's a wicked man, wicked people. Because of covetousness and greed, trying to take somebody else's possessions, we see all these people being destroyed. Go to Africa, and you see what's taking place there among people all around us. Well, one of the dear sisters in L.A., you saw in the news, you heard about it. She was there waiting for a bus. She's a nurse. Sir, served in this hospital for more than 20 years. One of our close friends knew her, and she said she was a good person. She was a believer in God. She was so good, she wasn't married. And she would, she would literally trade places with married people at Christmas time and, and, and holidays so that they could be home with their family, and she would take their place there in the hospital. And a man came and hit her and knocked her down, and she struck her head. In the same hospital she lived in, she died. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's bad people around us. We cannot say, well, there's good in everybody. No, there's wickedness in everybody. We just simply need to be honest. Yes or no? We forget that sometimes, that they're wicked people. And we live in a world that nature doesn't help. We find here tornadoes. We find fire coming down. We have disease that came and affected Job. It's all around us. We've just been through two of the most horrendous years in the history of our nation, this COVID crisis. Over a million people, almost a million people died just in America alone. And all the suffering that took place and all the results of catching COVID and things like that. And so we, we find disease everywhere. And so climate change, I mean, no matter, no matter what you do to change, it's, it's always going to be an upheaval. Because this entire planet is under a curse. It's, it's, it's not perfect. So we live in a fallen world. And we need to really recognize that. I know you're in a part of the state where things, you know, everything's new around here. The roads are new. And the houses are new. And your church is going to be new pretty soon. 
And, and you got a brand new freeway that they're messing up. You know what I'm saying? And all the stuff that's taking place. But, and you have a tendency to forget. And you're young. This is the young side of the state. I have a tendency to forget that we live in a fallen world. So bad things happen to good people because good people live in a what? In a fallen world. And stuff is going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to get mugged. You're going to suffer setbacks. This is going to happen. No matter what you do, no matter how well you protect yourself, things are going to happen to you. And here's where you need to realize that in all of that, that in spite of all of that, there is this sovereign God that is in charge of everything. And you and I that know God, you and I that know the Scriptures, we have this absolute confidence because God is here. Even though Satan was the one instrumental in what happened to Job, even though he lived in a cursed world, there was a sovereign God that allowed it to happen. He was the one that the hand of God was there. All that happened to Job, the hand of God was there. And people of God, you should never forget that. That the hand of God is there. That is our confidence. You and I that know the scriptures, we know God, we know, we know that God is there. And so here it is that as you and I read God's word, why do bad things happen to good people? Because God, in his sovereignty, allows good people to experience bad things. That's the second reason. Because God, in his sovereignty, allows good people to experience certain things. You recall in John chapter 9, in John chapter 9, that the disciples were walking by, and there was a man, a beggar, a beggar that was begging, and the disciples said, who sinned, his parents or him, that he was born blind? This man was born blind, Jesus. So who sinned? Did his parents sin? Did God judge them by making this man born blind? Or was it his problem? And you recall the immortal words of Christ that Jesus says, neither his parents sin nor this man sin. But this happened so that the work of God can be displayed in him. Wow. That the work of God can be displayed in him. There's a sense where God invades our lives. God invades our churches. God invades our community. And he goes and selects a choice servant of his. Selects one of us, one of you. And he says, you are going to experience unspeakable suffering, unspeakable calamity, because through your suffering, I am going to be glorified in your life. And only... Only you that know God can answer that. Only you that know God can see that. In John chapter 9, this blind man would have never known. He spent all his time begging, would have never known that God had chosen him so that he would be an instrument of glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. How would he know that I, as a young, as a young preacher up in Idaho going up to Idaho and invited to preach, would preach from John chapter 9 on the blind man to a group of high schoolers and use this man's testimony to bring high schoolers to Christ. Who would have ever known? Who would have, he would have never thought of that. But that's what God does. And just like he did with Job, so he does with you, he, he selects 
And he limits, he limits the amount of adversity and the amount of affliction and the amount of suffering that you're allowed to experience. He puts a, he puts a cap on it. I like that. In other words, he'll never give you more than you can handle and endure. Isn't God good? And so he does that. Now, people of God, how do, how do the majority of people respond to adversity? How do we respond to adversity? Let's be careful. Some of us respond with, to adversity by, by getting angry at God. We get angry at God. Like Mrs. Job. Poor Mrs. Job. I mean, sometimes you get, you know, you, you criticize her, you know, ah, backslidden Job's wife. Friend, if you had lost all your children, it affects your life. You lost all your possessions, it affects your life. And here she was, and in some sense she was, can be overwhelmed with that. But you know, when we suffer affliction, we sometimes have open anger against God, or we have hidden bitterness towards the Lord. We lose our possessions, our loved ones, and then after a while we begin to harbor certain bitterness. Bitterness. We, get, we become bitter in our lives. You might be here this morning. You might attend Faith Bible Church. You might be watching on, on television. And yet in your heart, because of adversity, your, your love for God has cooled. And there's a certain bitterness and anger that has taken a hold of your life. That's the result of not being able to answer the question why it is that bad things happen to good people. You might even, you might even begin to accuse God that he's not, he's not fair. How could God do this? How could God do this? How could a just God take my baby? How could a just God take my baby in my womb? And we, we then begin to blaspheme the name of God. And that... That would be unthinkable to lose our respect to God. Some even go, to, go as far as abandoning. They abandon God. They just quit altogether. They lose their faith in God, walk away, stop reading Scripture, walk away from church, walk away from God. And some would say, I would never believe in a God who does this to his people. And so that, that may happen to us because we can't answer the question, why do Bad things happen to good people. Oh, I have stories to tell you of people that have done that, walked away from God, walked away from church, all because of adversity and affliction. Friend, you don't need to be that. You don't need to go there. If you just listen to Job, listen to Job, and take Job's advice. Let's, look, let's examine this morning Job's advice, his counsel to us. And he has every right to counsel people. See, we... When we go to counseling, we always answer to people, well, you don't, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, friend, Job knows what you're going through. Yes or no? Yeah, he knows what you're going through. And he's gone through it. So he has every right to counsel and advise us. And his answers, his answers are, our choice in chapter 1, verse 21, when he says, and he gets up and he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he what? Blame God. And here, here's the answer, my friends. And Job simply says, listen. Listen, dear people of God. Our blessings are all based on God's grace. All that we have are, is based on God's grace. Now stand back and think about that. All that you have, and, and just go through the deduction. Your health, your health, your wife, your children, your home, your possessions, all that you have is all by the grace of God. That's what Job is saying. When he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, means that, that I deserve nothing. When I was born, I was born, and I was born absolutely naked. I had nothing, and I deserved nothing. That's how I came into, into being. See, it eliminates this feeling of endowment. And sometimes, sometimes you and I... We, we, we have the attitude of endowment that somehow people owe us. They owe us things. And, and Job is saying, no, we don't, we don't, we're not owed anything. We're not owed anything. We're, we came out naked. Have you noticed that? You came out with nothing. No diamond ring. Not even diapers. You ever notice? You get that one out. We can absolutely, and so reminds us that we should always be a thankful people. The parable of the ten lepers is classic here to remind us that everything that we receive from God is, is absolutely because of the grace of God. We sometimes feel as though God owes us. He doesn't. doesn't. I can even recall telling my parents when I was mad at them, I said, you know, I didn't ask to be born. Uh, you know, you, I'm, I'm lucky I'm alive today, you know what I'm saying? Th those, are, those are words that could cause death. And we have this sense of endowment. And he says, so, and naked I shall return. It's all based on the grace of God. I deserve nothing, and I deserve nothing. Follow me to Luke 17 for an interesting observation that Jesus made about our lives and who we are. In chapter 17 of the book of Luke, if you come down to chapter 17 and verse, and verse 7, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? No. He will not say to him, he say, and prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you may eat and you drink. He does not thank the slave because he did these things we were, which were commanded, did he? And so you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. In other words, there, there, are no, there are no bonuses. There are no rewards based on simply our existence. We, we deserve nothing when all of life is done. We deserve nothing. 
This is a powerful text reminding us that we're simply given, we're, we're told to live godly, and live godly doesn't own you any points. It's your obligation. It's your obligation. One, when one of the presidents was being guarded by a, a particular group of soldiers, the commander of the soldiers came to the president and he said, Mr. President, would you go over and, and just say a word of appreciation to the men that have been protecting you uh, these days? And the president said, said, no, no, they are just doing their duty. See, we think that God owes us. And does he? Who among us has lived a perfect life? And so here comes the third reason why bad things happen to good people. Are you with me now? Bad things happen to good people because good people are not as good as they think they are. Talk to me now. Hmm? And so we sin, and our sin comes and haunts us. Sin has consequences, yes or no? And so things are going to happen to us because of our own doing. Not God's fault, not Satan's fault. It's not the fallen world, just simply us and our rebellion against God. And so we are not as good as we think we are. And that's why. And then sometimes God, God disciplines us. And only God shows the discipline. We have some young people here. And you may choose to walk away from God. You may choose someday to say, you know what, mom and dad, later with you. I don't need God. I don't need Christ. And you know what? God will, and, 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 and your parents will pray for you, and people will pray for you. And they'll say, God, by any means, bring him to God. Use any means. And that what God will use is he'll use affliction. He'll use affliction to put you on your knees and bring you to God. Bring you to God. I, I tell our parents in our church, I said, you know, pray for your children. Pray for God to discipline them. Oh, God, bring my son home. Bring my son to God. Cause his brand new car to be stolen. Oh, God, have him crash his car. Oh, God, let his girlfriend drop him and marry his enemy. You know, and things along these, these prayers that are imprecatory prayers. In other words, God's discipline. And so bad things happen to good people because they're not as good as they think they are. Mark it down, my friend. And that's why Job is saying, naked I came, naked I shall return. Now here's something else that Job tells us. Counsel. Listen, people, he says. The stuff that we have today is only for today. All the stuff we have, beginning with our health, our families, our possessions, they are only for this period of time. They are for now. They are for now. We brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing else out of it. When all is said and done, we leave it all behind. Everything that we have, we leave it all behind. It's important to note that, that all the stuff we have, it's all left behind. It includes your health, your relationships, your possessions, all the stuff that you have, it's all, it's all temporary. It's all, it's all for now. That's why the Lord reminded us. Reminded us with the parable of the rich fool. Oh, if you acquire possessions and you don't own Christ, you're the greatest fool of them all. 
reminding us again, he reminds us again that, that we ought not be surprised when the boss who owns everything we have steps in and takes them away. They all belong to him. Nothing we own is ours. And the boss can step in anytime he wants. God can step in anytime and take it away. That's why he says God has given and God has taken away. Remember that. It all belongs to God. And God has given. God has given me a precious wife. It's, she belongs to him. And every day that we spend together, it's, it's the grace of God and the thankful to God. But I know she belongs to the boss. And, and he has every right to step in and take her home whenever he wants to. He can take me home whenever he wants to. And can take our stuff whenever he wants Can take anything we have. It all belongs to him. It's not ours. It's not ours. And so we need to recognize that and realize that. Understand that all the blessings we have are subject to the will of God. Because God is good. And because God is, God is who he is. God is good and God is who he is. And so because of his goodness. And, and friends, for the most part, God is so good. God is so good. I look at my life. I don't deserve anything that I have. Nothing. Even just to preach here for me is thanking God for this glorious opportunity to be here and handle his word. I don't even deserve this. I don't. Because God is so good. He has, done, he has been more than gracious to me. And that is for the majority of us that. There are some exceptions. And only God knows that. But for the most part, that is how we experience these things. God is, God is so good. And so realize, my friend, and God is saying to us, Paul is saying, Job is saying to us, all the things, all the things that we have are all subject to the will of God. And then, then he, by his own life, by his own life, he speaks to us that our blessings, our blessings that God has given us, all that the Lord has provided for us, and even the the things that he gives that he's taken away, all these things that we have should make us draw near to God. Our afflictions, the bad things that happen to us, should not drive us away from God, but should move us in the direction of God. And you notice in Job's case, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And again it says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job instead worshipped God. He worshipped God. God is still God to him. God is still God. And he worshipped him. He turned to God. And he didn't blame God. He bowed his heart. He bowed his life before the Lord. I recall that a hospital visit that I made, and my, one of my dear friends was very, very sick, going through a very serious operation. And he said, Pastor, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Pastor. God has been so good to me. Whatever, does, whatever God does with me is fine. Wants to take me home, it is fine. But want to stay here, it is fine. God has been so good to me. What a lesson on worship. What a lesson on worship when we encounter adversity and encounter issues. We should always, always, as we should always bless God. 
The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We began our worship this morning with a great song. Giving thanks to God. To give thanks for bad times. To give thanks for everything that God has given to us. We should forever be thanking God. Forever be thanking God for all that he's done for us. Even thanking God for afflictions. For afflictions. Now, follow me. The reason, here's another reason why God, why bad things happen to good people. Are you with me now? This is number what? Number four. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God, through his bad things, his afflictions, is helping us to live victoriously in this fallen world. That's why he does it. To live victoriously in this fallen world. We're in a gymnasium, and all these banners up here, champs. I mean, I can recall playing high school football. And I can recall what they call hell week. Anybody here acquainted with that particular? Yeah, you've been there. Remember that? And it was not a picnic. Not a picnic. Now, I wasn't always like this. I I wasn't always robust the way I am right now. (laughs) When I was in high school, I resembled that microphone there. Yeah. 98 pounds. Okay. 98 pounds. I played fourth string. We never played. Fourth string, you never play. You just sit. But I can recall going to Hell Week and being brutalized, brutalized, kicked and screaming. And I'm from Calexico. Calexico is like way down. We started practice in August. And it's 118 degrees. You're like, we're like three feet from hell. You know what I'm saying? And then having Hell's Week, it was literally hell. You know what I'm saying? But all that to prepare us so that we could then go on the field and be ready for it. And God knows we have a job to do. We have to live victoriously in a fallen world. We need to minister the Word of God. And so God needs to make us robust Christians. And the only way, the only way we can ever be robust Christians is that you and I need to go through affliction. We need to suffer. When we suffer, then we become strong. And that's why Paul was said, you know, I asked the Lord three times to remove this infirmity from me. And God said, no, no, Joe, no, Paul, it'll not happen to you. Your adversity, your affliction, your problem, I've given to you to make you a better preacher and a better apostle and a better man. And Paul said, thank you, God. Thank you. That as a result of this affliction, I am a better man. And so, as a result of your suffering, yeah, God, see, I didn't want you to be some twinky believer, some little yeah-yeah believer that never suffers, you know, never has any affliction, everything's nice and cozy and rosy. <laughs> God, God, God doesn't need those twinky people working for Him. He needs them strong and robust, who know, have suffered, and have been strengthened. They know to depend upon God. And so we have a deep Deep trust in God as well. Job's faith grew. Job became deeper in his faith. I mean, he he loved God to begin with. He was a man of God. Oh, but the suffering, the things that he says in this book, the testimonies he gives are incredible. They reflect a man that truly, truly knows God. Deep, deep sense of God. Their great faith. I think right now three of our three of our church members that lost their lost their spouses. During the uh, COVID pandemic, 
You, you'll come to our church, and they will greet you there in the foyer. They'll greet you in the foyer. You would never know that they suffered the unspeakable loss of losing their precious spouse. And it's only been a year, a year and a half. And they have such radiance, joy for God. They are so thrilled. They worship God. They, they trust. They love God. They drew close to God. And the result of their suffering is just like Job said, they came and they drew close to God. And so it is that our sufferings should do that. Make us deeper worshipers of God. And for some of us, follow me now, for some of you that are here and you're not Christians yet, you haven't given your heart to Christ, the goodness of God should lead you to repentance when you realize that you deserve nothing but that God loves you and has blessed you. Not only blessed you with what you have now, but he's blessed you with giving you his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be your savior. And you, the goodness of God should bring you to him. You should submit to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. I need you now as my Lord and as my Savior. And the goodness of God then should bring you to repentance and bring you to Christ. That's how good God is. I can't promise you that the days will be better in the days to come because they're not. You know, we're going to ebb and flow through life. But when bad things happen to good people, now we know the answer. Would you say amen to that? Amen. We're going to praise God for that. Let's put it. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your servant Job. Thank you so much for the scriptures that are here to encourage our hearts. And we ask now that you might take Take these precious people that are here and comfort them and encourage their hearts and draw to yourself those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, that they might come to Christ, thanking you for everything, for Christ especially. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast, and a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.